The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word this morning, excited to do so, and uh, want to offer a few things here. If you have the ability to take some notes, I always recommend jotting a few things down. It's good to, to engage in the Word uh, and, and really trust and believe that even though we're here together, that God is speaking to us individually as well as uh, together as one. And when we take notes, it gives us an opportunity to revisit of those things in the proper time. So I'll give you a few things to look forward to as we get into the word here. These are things that stood out to me. Hopefully they stand out to you too, and we can anticipate finding them together. Uh, one, we're going to find out how God's mercy manifests. How is mercy manifest? Now, I almost didn't write the word manifest there because it just sounds really strange. I mean, it, but it also sounds a little shallow to say how God's mercy happens. You know, but, but that's probably a better way to say it in our normal, everyday speak. We, we, we sing songs about God's mercy. We'll, we'll ask God for mercy. We'll pray for it. We'll, we'll minister God's mercy. But there's a, a passage of Scripture that I want to look at that shows how God's mercy actually materializes in the believer's life. And I think it's worth taking a look at in order to celebrate God's mercy as it's materializing and coming into being in and through our lives. A second thing that we're going to find is that you have a storage unit. <laughs> have you ever noticed we have a lot of stuff, right? I mean, people today have a lot of stuff. Uh, everywhere you go, you're seeing construction taking place, and you've probably got about a 50-50 shot. You could toss a coin as what they're building. They're probably building storage units, right? I mean, you see a lot of that here. Uh, but you have a storage unit. The Scripture talks about it. I want to point it out to you. And I can tell you something that's important. Once you realize you have a storage unit, it's good to do a little inventory and find out what you're holding on to. <laughs> We've got a storage unit built in. God has it listed in his word here. We'll see where that's at, and we'll uh, be equipped to do a little inventory of what we're uh, holding on to. A third thing that we're going to find is who needs to work out. Who needs to work out? I recently had some friends in town a uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, family, big part of, of my life and my family's lives. I've known them for years. Um, he is a very avid athlete. And so a lot of our conversation is really limited. Like I'm listening to him talk about his 75-mile bike race as I'm eating another slice of pizza. You know, that's kind of how the relationship works. And I like it that way. I'm okay with that. Uh, we're going to find out biblically who needs a workout. There's something in the scripture that we'll see and it'll make sense to us when we get there. So uh, how God's mercy manifest. I said we're going to find that. Let's start there. If you have your Bibles, go to Titus, Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. I want to begin reading in verse 3. Titus chapter 3. Now, Titus chapter 3 is a, a really, uh, uh, beginning in verse 3, is really encouraging passage of Scripture because it liberates us from our past uh, nonsense, so to speak. Uh, it, it opens up the door for us to fit into the Christian life as we should fit by the work of the blood of Jesus in our lives, washing away all corruption. And our testimony, that which is in the past, testifies of God's goodness that he can deliver from uh, any captivity. Here in Titus chapter 3, we'll, we'll see that uh, manifest as well, beginning in verse 3. 
the writer of Titus is telling us that they also were once foolish. Now, I pause there and I think, okay, now I don't feel so bad for making goofy decisions in my life. I mean, obviously, foolishness is something that everybody fights and deals with, but it needs to be in the past. It's important for that to be something that we grow out of. So as he's writing here, he writes, we also were once foolish ourselves. We were disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in anger and envy, hateful and hating one another. Now, that's a pretty awful list of descriptive words. Like those are not attributes that I would want uh, to be described as. I, I would not want that on my tombstone. Here lies a man who was enslaved to various lusts and spent his life angry and, and jealous of everyone, hating everyone that he met. Not good, right? So then you see verse 4. Verse 4 says, but when the kindness of God came, when the kindness of God, our Savior, his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of our deeds, uh, which we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, once you get done reading that, you have to take a big breath because it's a lot, right? But if you break this down, what you're going to see is you're going to see this. We used to do stuff wrong. Then God's mercy entered in. His kindness entered in and did a work in us. He saved us by his mercy. And his mercy is described as doing two things. I mentioned before you're going to find out how God's mercy works, how it manifests, how it happens in your life, you'll see it in these two things. According to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. You have the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now, based on this passage of scripture, it's pretty safe to say that God's mercy brought two things into my life through Jesus. When I became a believer, God's mercy brought the, this, this regeneration, the washing of regeneration that God's mercy uh, brought into my life, the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now the question is, what are those two things? How do those two things work? Well, I want to look first at regeneration. Regeneration literally means to make again. Well, that makes sense as we talk about our lives as Christians because when we become a Christian, that is referred to in the Scripture by Jesus as being born again or made new. And what a wonderful thing to celebrate. You know, I mean, I often hear uh, people describe God as being the God of second chances and things like that. I, I, honestly, it doesn't matter what I think about that. I have no problem with that. But I don't see God in my life being simply the God of second chances. I see God being the God of new beginnings, you know, I mean, a second chance, but left with the same handicap that I had before, is probably going to result in a repeated failure. If I am constantly struggling with, with uh, lust, or I'm constantly struggling with an addiction, and I'm never liberated from the issue, the root issue that manifests that lust or that addiction, then you can give me all the chances in the world, but I'm probably going to be right back where I was when I needed help in the first place. Now, I see God's work in my life as being new beginnings, 
New beginnings are defined in the scripture in a wonderful and powerful way. We'll get to that in just a moment. I'll give you a passage of scripture here from the Gospel of John. John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus is speaking and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again or unless one is made new, they can't see the kingdom of God. So the question is, what does it look like to be made new? I'll give you the answer to that based on the scripture here. When we, when we engage in this work, and when God engages in this work in our lives, this regeneration, something happens. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I think, breaks it down really simply. It says that, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone becomes a Christian, is another way you could say that, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, and behold, new things come. Now, in my opinion, this is a really great definition of this regenerative work in my life. It's not just another opportunity to make the same mistake, but rather it's a new beginning equipped completely different than I ever was before. And this lines up with my own personal testimony. I mean, I remember being uh, uh, bound to addiction and, and suffering the, the frustrations and the heartache and the loss and the poverty that came with addiction, and I got news for you, nobody likes those things. I mean, I didn't like heartache. I didn't like loss. I didn't like poverty. So as I was walking in a life of addiction, I didn't really enjoy it. I wanted to stop, but yet I couldn't stop. I tried to often. You would make the decision, I'm never doing that again, and just days later, you're back in it. You'd make the decision, I'm never doing that again, and days later, you're back in it. You make the decision, I'm never doing that again, and days later, you're back in it. But when I became a believer, something happened. It wasn't just, you know, hey, give it a shot again and we'll see how it works out. It's, hey, I'm going to take your life and I'm going to make it new. The weaknesses, the, the, the shortcomings, the corruption that existed before that was the gateway for all of these elements to have a hold on your choices, your decision making, your attitudes, your actions, the whole thing are now going to be different. When I became a Christian, I was faced with the same problems. In fact, within, you know, literally hours of becoming a Christian, I was given the same opportunities to make the same compromised decisions, but yet something was different. I was empowered in my mind and in my heart to speak different, to behave different, to choose different. I still had a choice. Could have gone right back to the same life, but for some reason... A reason that I would later find out is the work of regeneration. I could make the choices and decisions that I wanted to make all along, and they had power behind them. They were effective. This is the work that God's mercy brings into our lives. Old things passing away. Old things like weakness. Old things like compromise. Old things that, that result in frustration and disappointment and heartache and loss, and you name it. That If it's not good, the old things produce it, and then new things come. New things like God's direction, his counsel, the leadership of Jesus and his example, the word of God, the power of the present Holy Spirit to lead and to guide. All of these new things come to result in good things from God's kingdom. I'll give you a passage of scripture here from 1 Peter. When we consider God's mercy and God's mercy bringing regeneration into our life, I think it's summed up really well here by Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, I want to read verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, there's the word we're looking for, his great mercy has caused us to be born again 
born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead in order to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away, and is reserved in heaven for you. You who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. There's an attempt here to to encourage and uplift, to, to animate the wonders of things to come. But what we're looking at here is the result of God's mercy manifest in my life. God's mercy manifest in my life is manifest through regeneration. Now, I was born again. I remember the moment that it happened. I mean, I remember the, the, the location. I remember what I felt like. I remember the environment that I was in and, and the, the, the circumstances that led up to that moment. It was a one-time moment in my life, but yet the results of that one-time moment continue even today. There are things today that I see God pulling out of my life, and he's putting new things in. Old things continue to pass away, and new things continue to come. And I believe that this is the, the, the second work here that you see, this washing of regeneration being one, and then two, the renewing by the Holy Spirit. I'm being made new in the way that I feel and in the way that I think. There's a challenge as it concerns these things, the challenge to, to regress, the challenge to go back. I mean, we're always left with a choice and a decision to move forward. And, and the entire world is, is calling and pulling for a regression from every single saint to go back to old ways. But God's call on our life, his anointing on our life, and his will for our life is to move forward into the new and wonderful things that he has for us. And there's a place where this struggle is happening, and I want to offer this to you uh, from the scripture here, and it's, a, it's an important thing to note. In fact, I told you before we're going to find out that you have a storage unit. I'd like for you in your Bibles to turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, I want to read verse 45 to you. Jesus is speaking, and and he's speaking to us as believers, and he says these words, The good man, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forward the things that are good. The evil man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth the things that are evil. I want to stop there. That word treasure is in italics in, in my Bible, which is the New American Standard. That word treasure being in italics means that that word's not really present, but that it's put there in order to make it more readable. The true interpretation or translation of that passage of scripture is that the good man out of the storehouse of his heart brings forward good things. The evil man out of the storehouse of his heart brings forward evil things. That means the things that you produce, whether they're good or they're evil, are coming from your heart. That's where they're stored. Jesus talks about this on a couple of occasions, that that's where slanders and murders and all of evil activities are, and that's the reason why God looks on the heart. It's the reason why God's at work in the heart. It's the reason why there's a need for uh, being made new, to have regeneration. It's the reason why there's a need to have that washing and that renewal take place in our lives. As we take a look at our heart, it's a really interesting thing to have examined. I mean, I can tell you in my life personally, there's 
there's how I believe I am, and then there's how I actually am. Now, this is kind of a thing that we deal with. I don't know if you've ever taken, you know, one of those personality tests before. I've had to take a few of them. I hate those things because I, I find out that I, I lie on those things. I put on those things how I want to be, you know. Are you decisive? Oh, heck yes, I am, you know. <laughs> If you're in a situation where leadership is required, do you lead? You'd bet, you know. I mean, if you really wanted to know my true score on one of those, have my wife take it for me. I would probably hate the way that scored out, you know. You'd be like, are you decisive? Hmm. Let's see. Uh, Where do you want to eat? I don't know, you know. Nah, no, not decisive. Uh, Leadership, well, uh, said take the trash out and it's still sitting there, so we've got a problem there, you know. I mean, you're going to have somebody close to you take that and see your life completely different and probably more accurate. When we evaluate ourselves, sometimes it's a tough thing to do accurately. There's how we want to be. There's how we want to see ourselves. So for me personally as a believer, as I evaluate my life as a believer, I, I, I see, you know, the things that God's done in my life, and I'm excited and celebrate those things. But when I get a chance to see what's in my heart, and I think God gives us a chance to see what's in our heart often, sometimes it's concerning. Now, I mean, you've heard examples like this before, but this is actually a real-time example. I, I wasn't having a very good day the other day. My body hurt. Things weren't going as planned. A number of jobs just hadn't really gone right. Normal things that would test your patience, and, and you know, they're just not enjoyable to go through. I'm driving, and I pull my, my truck out into the lane that I need to, to pull into, and my truck stalls, right? I mean, you know, you push the pedal, and you get nothing. And so the guy behind me has to slow down. He's got a choice to make, either run into me or slow down. Well, he wisely chose slow down, but for some reason that ruined his life. The fact that he had to touch his brake just caused his world to come crashing down. And I got all kinds of hand gestures and words and everything, you know. I mean, this was a, a, a world-ending event right here in front of, of the Lowe's parking lot. And then what's funny is how you, how you deal with that. You know, that's where you find out kind of what's in your heart. You get to peek in your storage unit in the point of provocation, the, the point of trial, the, the, the point of, uh, it's the point of testing where we get to see kind of what's in the heart. I didn't like what I saw at first because what I saw at first was, was carnal. It was everything that should be an old thing that's passed away. It wasn't a new thing that had come. I mean, I saw him put his blinker on, so my blinker went on. I cut over, and I, I pulled over, and, I, and, and the whole time I'm thinking, I'm thinking new things, new things, new things. How do I produce a new thing in this situation? I get out of the, the truck, and he's getting out of the truck, and I, I, I walk up to him, and I let him know, <clears throat> first of all, I ask, did I offend you? When I said, did I offend you, his answer was, you cut me off. And so I've Basically, you know, asked him, is that worth this, you know, to which he kind of looked at me funny, like, are we going to fight or not? <laughs> and I said, let me tell you something. I'd like to apologize to you for cutting you off. I didn't mean to. It was an accident. But I, I'd like to apologize to you. And I'd like to let you know that, that if, if we deal with things with the anger that I've seen here, it's not going to go well for either one of us. And I don't think that he really knew how to respond to that, so I decided I'm going to say it again. I'm sorry. And then he looked at me and he said, uh, 
well, I'm sorry too. And then we just turned and walked away from each other. But I realized something. I realized that, that we both in that moment got a chance to look inside our storage unit. And I think we're carrying some things that need to pass away. <laughs> it's time to clean out those storage units. I mean, we've got a unit behind the church here that is a, it's a, a storage container, right? I remember when it was purchased. It was, we need extra storage. You've got limited closet space here, seasonal decorations, things like that. Let's bring that storage container. We can store things. You know, what happens is those storage containers or storage units end up becoming time capsules. It, like you put stuff in and it never comes back out. Like, it, and then when you finally decide to have like, in our case, it'd be a church work day and you open it up and you're finding like those TVs that you can't even give away anymore, you know, where you need like three guys to lift it and it's got a, you know, a, a tube that weighs 500 pounds. And I mean, you just find all this stuff where it's like, why are we carrying this around with us? Well, the, the work of God is for us to get light from old things. And I think it's a really interesting thing. I mean, I think God would understand our language if we were to simply say, God, will you help me clean out my storage unit? If there are things that I'm carrying around that are antiquated and that don't do me any good, let me just throw them away. Bring me to the place where I trust that you'll provide in the future. I don't need to hoard TVs that don't even work anymore, but I can just throw them away. And then let me trust that the new things will come, the, the new things that are prosperous that will help me. But don't let me carry around all this garbage and junk that, that only gives opportunity for compromise when provocation comes. I want to clean out my container. Of course, in this case, that would be your heart. Uh, I'll give you a couple of passages of Scripture here so that we can stay in the Word, and I think that's an important thing to do. Uh, Psalm 51, verse 10. Now, Psalm 51, verse 10 we're going to read it, but let me set it up for you. Uh, somebody has looked inside their storage container and they did not like what they saw. They were put in a position of compromise and they made a very carnal choice. Something that should have passed away hadn't passed away. New things that should be, have been present to have come weren't present to come. And so the prayer is this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a steadfast spirit. Now, it's a wonderful thing to read. It's very poetic, and it's written in, in, in such a, a poetic way because it was written as a song that it's very easy to, to be lost in the poetry and miss the point. Now, the point here is somebody has made a choice or a decision that didn't line up with the new things that God promises, didn't line up with the will of God, the things that please God, the things that expand his kingdom, the things that glorify his name. It didn't line up with that. And when that was realized, the prayer was, we need to do something about my heart. There's something inside my storage unit that is producing something undesirable, and it needs to be dealt with. I love that prayer because it's not just an apology. Hey, I really stepped in it. I messed up and I'm sorry. Let's get past it. It's, hey, listen, I don't want to go another step forward until we deal with this or else I know it'll happen again. Let's deal with the issue at the very base. Let's work in my heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. There's a way to kind of keep an eye on your heart, and we've talked about this before in the past, so it may sound familiar to, to most of us present in the room. 
but it's really worth mentioning in context with this message. There's a way to evaluate the, the heart and to, to watch it. Kind of like if you got into your, your vehicle and, and you were driving down the road, you have a panel of gauges in front of you, right? All giving you measurements, letting you know, hey, everything's okay, or letting you know, hey, you better pull over. You, you understand. Well, there's, there's a gauge that you can watch. There's an instrument that you can use in order to, to evaluate the state of your heart. And according to Jesus, it's your mouth. Matthew 15, 18, it reads like this. But all things that proceed from the mouth come from the heart. I mean, we can check our words. There are men that I've worked with that use very foul language. And, and you know, it's just never been my thing. And, and I don't, can't take any credit for that. But I've just never really been a cusser. It doesn't flow from my lips. It's very unnatural for me. But it's not just bad words, curse words, or, or words that have been deemed, you know, uh, uh, unacceptable in public. You're talking about slanders and, and gossip and, and, and all kinds of things that are spoken that are destructive, that are contrary to the work of Jesus Christ and, and the will of God being carried out. When we see these things coming out of our mouth, they're revealing what's in our storage unit, what's in our heart. And I actually see this as a real gift from God, that we could do an evaluation, that we could see, that we could listen to our own words and, and have a better understanding of what's in our heart to protect us from being deceived because it's very easy for me to fall into the deception that I'm fine. I don't need any help. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm walking with Jesus, wall-to-wall, -wall, Holy Ghost, every day of my life. I don't have any issues. That's a real easy trap to fall in. But rather, the believer is called to examine themselves. That's how Paul wrote it. He encouraged the believer to examine themselves. Let's examine ourselves. Let's open up the door to that storage unit. Let's go through some boxes. Let's find out, are we carrying anything that needs to be thrown out? And a good way to examine what's in your heart is to observe your words. I'll give you a passage of Scripture here, and this is just meant to, to point out the emphasis of the importance of keeping your heart clean. Proverbs 19.21, it reads like this, Many are the plans of a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will, will stand. I mean, the reason why I put that scripture in my notes is for this reason. I, I want to keep my heart in good shape. I want to keep my heart clean because that's where my plans are at. If my heart begins to, to be allowed to be filled with perversions, that could alter my plans. My plans are to be faithful to my wife, to raise my sons in the way they should go. But if I start to store garbage that's contrary to that, it could affect my plans. If my plans are stored in my heart, I want to keep other things in my heart that keep those plans safe, that help those plans be carried out, that don't introduce compromise to those plans. I hope that communicated well. I'll give you a passage of scripture here from the book of Romans, and it's about this work of, of God to, to renew by the Holy Spirit. And I think it's important to note this. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't be conformed to the world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. You could take this passage of Scripture and just say, you know what, I'm going to spend this week reading this verse and praying about this verse. 
And I think it could improve every single one of our lives as far as insight into what God is doing in and through our lives, as far as how our prayer life uh, needs to be structured, what needs to be included. I want to do the things that are good. I want to do the things that are acceptable. I want to do the things that result in God's perfect will being carried out. I also don't want to be conformed to the world. But this passage of Scripture reveals that something needs to happen in order to prevent that. If this thing doesn't happen, based on this passage of Scripture, one could make the argument that if this thing doesn't happen, conforming to the world is inevitable. That eventually I will move to the left and I will continue to move to the left until there's no more movement, but I'm concreted into the things of the world. This needs to happen. Therefore, this needs to be a part of my prayer life. Father, let my mind be renewed. Let my life be transformed. I don't want to be conformed to the world. I want to produce the things that are of your will, those things that are good, acceptable, and perfect. Let my mind be renewed by your spirit. Uh, uh, we've used this verse in messages in the past, and, and we've talked about it in detail. And I want to throw one detail out there because I think it's interesting. I find it interesting, and perhaps it, it carries over and translates. Uh, there's a passage of Scripture in the Gospels that, uh, that will refer to a, a work that's done uh, in the life of Jesus that is observed by the disciples. It, we call it the transfiguration. Now, Jesus is standing, and all of a sudden his garments become glowing white, and he, he speaks with uh, Moses, and he speaks with the prophet Elijah. He has these conversations with these men, and his disciples witness it. Now, you have to ask yourself for a second, if, if you have even an ounce of curiosity, why is this in the Scripture? It's such an interesting and unusual thing to include. Why is it in the Scripture? God has gone out of his way to see to it that Jesus is, is just like us, that he has emptied himself, that he is a man. Why is there this moment that stands out as a little extraterrestrial? I mean, it's a little alien moment where Jesus is standing there, all of a sudden begins to glow, and he sees dead people. I mean, I say that tongue-in-cheek, they're not dead. God is the God of the living. But he's talking to these men that, that are no longer walking the earth. This is a pretty bizarre thing to see. Well, it's the transfiguration. It's referred to as the transfiguration. I want to tell you something. The word that you see in Romans 12 too, transformed, is the same word for transfiguration. This is the work that's going on in our lives. God is bringing the counsel of the word of God into our life that is empowering for us to, to face challenge and hardship, that is empowering us to deal with the things that we are facing in the right way, that empowers us to do just what the verse says, prove what the will of God is, and carry out the things that are good, acceptable, and perfect. God is transfiguring us. I'll give you a couple of passages of scripture here and we're, we're going to be closed. Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, verse 16, second Corinthians four, 16, it, it says, therefore we don't lose heart. Even though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. There's a lot about this passage of scripture that is encouraging to me personally and probably encouraging to you too. Uh, one, the idea of not losing heart. I mean, that means that there are things that are, are pulling on you to give up. There are things that are pulling on you to give in, but yet you stand your ground. That we're not uh, in, in some minority group 
for facing and dealing with the temptation to quit, but rather that's a normal thing for the believer. Now, the call that we have is to not quit. You can never lose if you never quit. That's the reason why the scripture would impart blessing to those who overcome, those who endure to the end. And then as you continue to read in this, you'll see even though your outer man is decaying, I've got news for you, I've never felt my outer man decaying more than today. I mean, you get a little age under your belt, you have a few things uh, go wrong with a muscle here, a tendon there, and all of a sudden you realize I'm not bulletproof. I mean, so that passage, that part of the passage there hits home to me. And even though that's happening, there's something to be excited about, something to be encouraged about, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. I want to tell you what's most encouraging about this to me personally, and maybe it'll carry over to you. It's not just the idea that God is renewing my inner man, but it's the idea that it is a constant work. Day by day. This is not a one-time work. When I was born again, one time. It happened. But this is a work that God is committed to. This is the reason why the scripture would declare that the one that began a good work in you will continue that good work to perfection even to the day of the Lord because this is going to take every single day of your life. That's helpful to me because there are many times where I I, I miss the mark or I I don't get stuff right, but I realize that this isn't revealing of some colossal failure of the work of God or the Holy Spirit in or through my life. This is simply revealing that he's not done yet. And there's a continued need to surrender to his work, a continued need to be the clay and let him be the potter. Let him form, let him mold, let him shape my life in the form that it needs to be in. I want to close with a passage of scripture from Ephesians. I told you we're going to find, you know, he, who needs to work out. And obviously, we could spend a lot of time cracking bad jokes there. But, you know, who needs to work out? It's in the scripture here, Ephesians chapter 3. I want to read a section of scripture. It'll be a little bit lengthy, about five verses, but hang in there. What you're going to find here is, is why the Apostle Paul is praying. Now, that's an important thing when you see that. I mean, you'll find out what he finds important or, or a priority to have in his prayer life. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would give to you according to the, his riches and his glory to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner man. Now verse 17 opens with, so that. That's important. I mean, being strengthened in your inner man by the Holy Spirit results in what we see in verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, uh, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled up to all of the fullness of God. It's a lot of reading to get to that one point, but I I have to get there because that is the point. To be strengthened in our inner man is to position us to be filled up with the fullness of God. 
So that our actions can be God's actions. So that our words can be God's very words. So that the things that we produce in our life can prove what the will of God is and release into this world the things that are good, acceptable, and perfect. And God's at work in our inner being, our inner man, washing, purifying, taking out the old things that need to go, putting in the new things that need to come. And as we are aware of his work taking place, we're given opportunity on a daily basis to participate. Not to resist, but to cooperate. To to have our eyes open and to ask for our eyes to be open to the things that need to go. And to have our eyes open to and our hearts be surrendered to receive the things that need to come. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray over us as we prepare to dismiss trusting and believing that there's no greater minister in the room than the Holy Spirit. Present to go to work as the word promises in our hearts and in our minds to do wonderful things. There where you stand, I want to pray and I want to ask you, you're welcome to be in a a state of agreement or an attitude of receiving however you choose. But I want to pray for us this morning. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We thank you for the presence of your mercy manifest to make us new and to wash and to renew us every single day. Let our hearts be laid bare before you. That the things that would be stored up in our hearts that would be unfruitful and unproductive would be revealed so that we might offer them to you to be cast out for the vanity that they are. And let there be a a trust in each one of us that your provision will be present to bring new things, things that promise the results that see your heart glad, the things that are good, the things that are acceptable, the things that are perfect. Let us not settle for less than the work of your spirit in and through our lives to see your mercy manifest, not only to us, but through us. That as we live our lives by your mercy, washed and renewed, our lives become evangelistic to those around us. We give you thanks, Father, for the wonderful work that you are performing. And we surrender our hearts to you. As things are revealed that need to go, let us let those things go. Let it be with repentance. Let it be with with restitution. Let it be with the renouncing that you would stir in us. Let us each be spirit-led to each his own respond to you in the way that we ought to. And let each one of us, let our hearts be open to you to receive all the wonders that you would pour into us. The fruits of the Holy Spirit. Let there be an increase and a manifestation of the things that you have paid the highest price to bring into our life. Love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Let them be magnified in our lives. Let them be released through our actions, revealed in our words, and put into this community through our existence as the body of Christ. Let your name be exalted. Let your kingdom be expanded as we surrender to your mercy at work in our hearts. Let our hearts be purified and let the things that we bring from our hearts in all that we do be good things 
that prove your will, that are acceptable, that are good, that are perfect in your sight, and that bring you honor and glory. We bless your name and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.